0: start a new series today. I'm excited about this, the parables of Jesus. Uh, It's a new theme. Um, The the, the word parable means, uh, it's broken into two words, para and bull, and it means uh, to to throw alongside. Uh, That's what that word means, to throw alongside. And that's kind of cool, you know, if you think about that, to uh, throw alongside. And it's like there's a truth, and alongside the truth is a story, a parable. And um, Jesus tells a number of them, about 46 in the New Testament, and there's some in the Old Testament, some parables in the Old Testament as well. Uh, but it's a story, an illustration, usually about real life, if you think about the parables, uh, that has a spiritual teaching, you know, uh, a spiritual truth somewhere connected to it that Jesus is trying to make a point about. And a parable is something, is, is a, it's a, like a picture that's being painted, Uh, of a real-life story that you kind of get drawn into, or as the hearers do, as Jesus shares these stories, the people find themselves saying, that's me, or or they see themselves in the story at some point, and it's cool. Mark Scott says, it's Jesus's way of going from canon to curb, I like that thought he says, Mark Scott does, that he takes a spiritual truth of uh, the canon being the word of God, and he puts it in a, in terms that you and I can kind of grab onto and, and, and see and understand. You got to love the parables, you know? I'm sure you have your favorite one, right? We all have those parables that we enjoy reading and, and digging into. Um, they're stories packed with lots of issues. There's always like one main point, but in a parable, other issues are raised. So everyone, like everyone, goes away thinking about something after the parable is told. And uh, today's parable is in Luke 11. If you want to turn to Luke 11, we're going to go there. Uh, in this parable, there's uh, a couple of friends, there's some bread, and then there's an ask, the ask. And uh, we're going to get to that here right now. Luke chapter 11, verse 5, 5 to 13. Are you with me? All right, here we go. You're going to want your app open, Bible open, and you're going to want to like focus on this because we're going to get into the word a little bit here this morning. Verse 5, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. Cole, suppose you have a friend. I know that's far out there. Actually, you got a couple right there next to you. I know, I know. They love Those guys love you right there. They love you. I love you, Cole. Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything I tell you even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship yet because of your shameless audacity he will surely get up and give you as much as you need verse 9 so i say to you ask and it will be given you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened which of you fathers If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's a cool parable, isn't it? I mean, a lot going on there. Jesus says some things in here that's just like, Hard to know where he's going, but it's a parable, and it's a parable about a few things. It's a parable about need, it's a parable about asking, it's a parable about receiving, it's a parable about prayer. And what I want to point out to you is the ask of prayer, the ask of prayer. So let's kind of get into this. Verse 5, it says, suppose you have a friend. Hopefully that's true, right? You have a friend. George, you got a friend? couple? Two? two that's good suppose you have a friend he says this like this is the beginning of this parable and and uh if you think about the parables uh jesus starts them in a lot of different ways you know it's always kind of interesting to see how jesus starts this parable some of them go like this a man went forth to sow seed some go a man was going down from jerusalem another when someone invites you to a wedding feast Some parables begin, there was a man who had two sons. Or again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Or lots of parables start with this, the kingdom of heaven is like. But here he says, suppose you have a friend. Suppose you have a friend. You know, uh, a person that you know, that you consider to be your friend. Right? Like somebody you share life with, you eat with, they borrow your tools and don't bring them back. You know, a friend, right? Huh? Okay. You know, a friend like that. You know, a good buddy that uh, you share life with. I kind of said that for Keith, and he's not here this morning. The tool part, anyway. And uh, he says, and you go to him at midnight. This is your friend. He lives down the street. And you go to him at midnight. And uh, that's kind of interesting, because usually people kind of want to be left alone at midnight, right? Yeah. <laughs> but not, 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 it's not totally unusual at For this culture because back then people did travel a lot at night because it was really hot during the day and they traveled at night and so it's not totally unusual like it would be for us. Question like what would you do if there was a knock at your door at midnight? What would you do? (laughs) Some of you would be like call the cops, (laughs) right? Where's my gun? (laughs) Right anymore? If you get a knock at midnight it's like uh, this probably isn't a good thing. Somebody's like Lost, or you know, not in the right mind, and why are they knocking at my door at midnight? Um, we'd all respond to that a little differently, I think. Uh, the unexpected visitor comes, and he knocks at this door, and he wants some bread. He wants three loaves of bread. We're not sure why three loaves of bread. He's got a visitor that has come to visit him, and so you know, maybe uh, one for himself, one for his friend, and maybe he's going to give one to his friend for his travels, we don't know. The word there is lend. He says, do you have some bread? Can you lend me some loaves? And it means that, like we know the word lend. It means to loan. In other words, he's planning on paying this loaves of bread back. He's going to borrow some bread. He's going to give the bread back. And then he says why he needs the bread to his friend that's behind the other door sleeping in his room. He says in verse 6, he says he has a visitor. And his visitor is taking this journey, and he didn't like the cell towers were down, so he couldn't text him ahead saying, hey, I'm going to get there at midnight. He just shows up at his friend's door at midnight, and now his friend looks in his cupboards, and his cupboards are bare, and he has nothing to give his friend who has traveled probably a long way to visit him, and so he knows that he has nothing. And so he goes to his friendly neighbor to ask for some bread. That's kind of the the situation. The the story that Jesus is sharing, the stage is kind of set just like right there. There's a man, uh, right, and he's in need. The thing is, he's not really in need for himself. He's in need for a friend that has come to visit him. Maybe he didn't know he was coming, a traveler. And then there's another man who lives in the house not far from him. And He's hoping that this friend has some bread, and that's kind of the story, that's the stage that Jesus sets. And then he says, and suppose, in verse 7, he says, and suppose. Um, The suspense has kind of been built up at this point, right? Jesus is telling this story to some people who are standing there. And Jesus tells him about this guy who has a friend come visit him, and he goes to his neighbor to ask for bread, and he knocks on the door and he says, "Hey, friend, do you have some bread that I can borrow?" And so, like, the suspense is there, and now they're wondering, like, "Okay, what's going to happen? Right? What, what's going to happen next?" Which is the cool thing about parables is they kind of leave you hanging at times, wondering what is going to happen next. Like, you can almost write the next line, like, "What happens next?" You can almost, you can almost, like. Uh, take the story and run with it. But here's what happens. The one inside says, don't bother me. I'm sleeping. Like what kind of friend would do that? Like this is supposed to be a friend, right? Like a guy you know, somebody you hang out with. And he says, don't bother me. So the story takes kind of this weird little turn in this parable. And and he has reasons for saying don't bother me and he gives up his excuses the door is locked okay the door's locked don't bother me the door's locked like I don't know how hard it was to unlock a door back then but I'm guessing not that hard right you think Jules can't have been that maybe a bar holding the door shut from the inside just lift the bar out not like pretty easy but the door's locked he says my children are uh, some translations say they're in bed with me so they're in bed we're all in bed And then he says, I can't get up. I don't know, maybe he had knee surgery. He can't get up. He says, I can't give you anything. Like like the intensity of the no just keeps building. Like, I'm not giving you anything. I don't have anything to give you. Don't bother me. We're sleeping. Go away. That's kind of a wow, right? I wasn't quite expecting that. I mean, the story could have went a couple different ways, but that's the way Jesus wants this story to go. And the thing, about, the thing about parables is this, is it's easy to get lost in the story, right? Because uh, the, truly, uh, the truth, a lot of times, is kind of cleverly disguised within the parable or in the context of the parable. So how do we know, based on what we just read, those verses, how do we know this parable is even about prayer? Kind of a good question. If you, if you look at what we just read and only what we read, the story... So far, it could have been about a number of things. It could have been about being prepared, you know, not being prepared. It could have been about helping the needy, you know, somebody who comes to you and needs something. It could have been about don't be a jerk, you know, it could have been about something like that. Well, here's how we know, because we look at the context, and if you look at um, the first four verses of the chapter, which we didn't read, we're going to read that, because that part of the context sets up this story. And here's how it goes, verse, chapter 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, okay? And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. That's what Jesus says. So Jesus is praying in these first four verses, right? And one of the disciples says, Lord, teach us to pray. It's the only place that we see one of them asking Jesus teach us to pray, which is kind of sad because it's a great question, right? Lord, teach us to pray. Like, teach us like not only how to pray, but what we should pray about and what our attitude ought to be in prayer. You're like, that's a loaded question that we all should ask. God, teach me to pray, right? I mean, that's a good question. But we know this is about prayer because of the way that this story begins. And Jesus, in that teaching them to pray, gives them like this sought-off version of the the Lord's prayer. In Matthew, it's the the whole prayer, but in Luke, he just gives us, um, you know, the the highlights of the prayer. It's an abbreviated version. And in verse 8, Jesus kind of brings to light the point of the story. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up, so he's painted the picture of the friend." who came to a friend, who went to a friend, and the answer is no, I have nothing, the door's locked, the kids are in bed, and I can't give you anything, Jesus then says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now that's pretty good, right? I mean, that's kind of a cool story. This story is getting more interesting as it unfolds. Jesus says, I tell you, I tell you. In other words, listen to uh, what Jesus has to say. He won't get up for friendship's sake, right? You thought you were good buddies, and you thought, you know, hey, he'd give me the shirt off his back, and now you've found out, Andy, that he can't do that. He's not going to do it. It's like, you know, I got to draw a line somewhere, and midnight is it. Like, don't bother me. Like at midnight, it's just too late to be bothering me. Is it? Um, and so, wait. Let me back up a minute. Skip the page. So, but because of your, he says, but because of your shameless audacity, I thought that's uh, an interesting statement. You don't hear people talk like that, right? A shameless audacity has to do with um, like a boldness, like the shameless boldness, this kind of earnestness or ferventness. Uh, the, the idea here is that the friend who's going to ask his friend for food for his friend is, is not afraid to put himself out there in this story, right? I mean, his friend says, no, I don't have anything go away, but that's not going to chase this guy away. He's going to stay right there, and he's going to continue to ask. And so what happens, what's happening here is this friend who's asking his friend for bread is now consumed in doing good. Like he is so consumed in doing good for his visitor friend that he no longer even cares about how he looks. Shameless audacity. Like, have you ever done that? Have you ever been in that situation where you were trying to do something for somebody and you just didn't care how it made you look? And I'm guessing there's probably times that you did care what it made you look like and you didn't do it. You know? But this guy, he's going to pursue the bread. For his friend for his buddy who's journeyed a long way and so so we see in this guy this this consumed attitude of of going after the bread not caring about what it makes him look like and also what we see is this confident and daring boldness to to keep pursuing the bread for his friend the word is persistent right this idea of being persistent He just keeps knocking, just keeps knocking. Sorry, I can't help you. My kids are in bed. The door's locked. Just keep knocking. And the story is about just keep knocking. Your breakthrough is coming. It's going to come. And that's what Jesus says. He won't get up because you're friends, but he will get up because you keep knocking because you will not go away. See, the ask here is for a friend. He's pleading for his friend. And it's about praying and never, never giving up. That's what this is about. It's about, like, seeking after God and never giving up in that. And there's a similar story, if you flip over to Luke chapter 18. There's another story that Jesus tells uh, that is connected to this one in a very close-knit way. I want to read that so we can kind of reflect on it. Luke 18, the first uh, eight verses. It's a story of a widow and a judge and her persistence. And it ties really closely into this story about this friend who has a friend and goes visits a friend asking for some bread. So in verse, chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will. He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So it's the story, this other parable that's connected to this parable about this woman who just keeps bothering the judge until she gets what she wants. And he says, God will bring about justice for those who cry out to him this, This, the parable says, this is the kind of faith that God is looking for, this determined faith, this trusting faith, this faith that believes that God can do whatever God wants, and I'm just going to keep crying out to him. That's the kind of faith the verse says God is looking for, that determined faith. And then our parable goes on to say, he will Because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you, notice he says, everything that you need. Now that's quite a twist in the story, isn't it? Because like finally the guy's like, please stop knocking at my door, my kids are sleeping, it's locked and we're in bed, but here, just go away, take everything you need, take it all, just take all my bread and just get out of here, just go away, go away. Because he keeps knocking. Because he, in his shameless audacity, he keeps on asking. And it raises another issue of why people respond to needy people. Right? In this story, it kind of raises this idea of needy people and why people respond, you know? Uh, And that varies as well. Why we respond to needy people. You know, the, the guy at the intersection that you see holding the sign or a Walmart, or uh, hungry children. You know, why, why do we, why do you, why do we serve? Why do we help? Why do we respond to the needs of people? And that's another thing about the parable, is that it brings up other issues along the way that, that the, the hearers and we have to deal with and have to think about. Here, it's responding to a need. So, so is the guy going to respond to the need? And do you respond to needs? And why do you respond to needs if you do? Like a stranger who might be in need. Or like a catastrophe that crushes people or homeless people or a family member that has a need. Why do you, why do you respond? What, what motivates you to do something? Is it because like people are wearing you out? <laughs> Is it because somebody's just bothering you to the point that you just give in? like your kids do? Is it out of guilt that you respond? Why do you respond? Is it just to feel better about ourselves? You know, why do we respond to people? Why go help people when a hurricane passes through? Why go to Haiti or Mexico? Why go to Ally down the street and serve at the soup kitchen, why? Like, what is the right motive? What is the right motive to help or to serve or to care. The story brings that up for us to have to decide. And what I'd like you to do is is take your little bulletin there and find a pen, and on the back of your bulletin, you could write out what the right motive is. What's your motive? Why do you respond to needs? Take a minute and do that, if you would. What is your motive for responding to people in need? Why do you do it? Why do you do it? What's the right motive? What's your motive? While you're writing that, I'll just continue. In verses 9 to 13, Jesus kind of adds to this the ask of prayer. And he says this. He says, so... I say to you, like like when Jesus says, so I say to you, that's that's something that we should listen to, right? I mean, we should grab our attention when Jesus says, so I say to you. In other words, other people say other things, but here's what I say. And and it also then gives us an option, right? We can choose who we're going to listen to. We get to decide who it is we're going to listen to. Are we going to listen to the world and and everything that the world is saying to us and what the media is saying to us and what other people are saying to us, or are we going to listen to what Jesus is saying to us, like about how we live our lives? We just sang the song, uh, I will build my life on you, Lord, right? I will build. I love that song. It just has this driving effect to it. I will build my life on your word for it's a firm foundation. Right? And we have to ask ourselves, if that's true, that I'm going to build my life on God's word, then one, am I putting his word into my life? And two, am I willing then to stand against everything that doesn't line up with the word of God? I will build my life on your word. Jesus says, so I say to you, and that's that's a, a note for us to say, am I going to listen to Jesus or not? Am I going to do it God's way or am I going to do it my way? We get to decide. And he raises their curiosity here, right? And he shares truth with them. He raises their curiosity by the story of the friend and the friend and the friend and the bread. And he raises the the truth about, about, about seeking God in the midst of this. And then he comes back to the point of the story and what his point is in prayer. And he says these three words. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Those are three interesting words. We know them well, right? We all know this, this this verse. is very uh, well known to anybody who's been around the church, around the Lord at all. But if you look at these three words, ask, seek, and knock, it starts very verbal, and it moves to very active. They're not just three words that are all saying the same thing. There's an intensity that builds in ask, seek, and knock. Because asking is just something I believe, so I'm going to ask God, God help me. Seeking is a little different than that. It's pursuing something. I'm going to get off my pew and do something now, and knocking becomes very physical because now the guy who needs the bread is not at home anymore. He's walked down the street, and he's knocking on his neighbor's door for some bread. And so it intensifies ask, seek, and knock in me, in my response and my crying out to God. In verse 10, he restates the same three things. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And in this case, the door was opened eventually, right? The bread came out. It took a little doing, but the bread came out. See, it's about the ask of prayer. It's about, like, asking and keep asking. Seeking and keep seeking knocking and keep knocking in the parable of the persistent widow the parable jesus says right at the beginning of it is to show that we should pray and never give up she kept coming back to him begging him she was about to wear him out with her asking and god brought about justice because she cried out to him day and night she kept coming after it it's a picture of persistence asking god crying out and here in this parable of the the friend and the friend and the friend and the bread it's about his shameless audacity his boldness his persistence the continual asking and seeking and knocking and then jesus ends the parable with another illustration in verses 11 to 13 he says which of you fathers if you're a father raise your hand fathers raise your hand we got some dads. Okay, this is for you. Fathers, which of you fathers? And everyone can relate to this, even if you're not a father, you kind of get this. He says, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Like like he's asking for some innocent stuff, like like food, and you're going to give him something that's going to kill him. Like, you would never do that, right? We would never do that. It's absurd. Today, it's not fish and eggs it's it's playstations and xboxes right but note the ask that jesus brings up in 11 and 12 is about daily food right it's about it's about fish and an egg not selfish wants and that's a fairly normal thought right if your, your son asks for a fish you're going to give him some to eat right okay you might not have fish but you might have captain crunch and so you know you're going to get captain crunch I don't have a fish kid but you're going to give him something to eat. You're not going to give him like a snake. <laughs> That's just absurd. Now, this is about a dad and a son. Like, like, we know how a dad would respond if your dad cares at all about his son. But, but watch out, because Jesus just set them up again, and it's about to take another weird turn, like parables do. So in verse 13, Jesus says, If you then, dads among us, if you though, if you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, and the implication is who is not evil like you, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, that could seem a little offensive in the story as the people are listening to this. Jesus just called us evil. And he's right, right? He's right. Sinners were wicked. You know, and that's kind of a side note. It's easy to get lost in that. You know, most people would like hear that and they tune Jesus out at that point because he just said something kind of brash. But That's a side note. And it is the basic truth of our situation, right? All have sinned. We've all fallen short. There's no one righteous. All have turned away. And it's only by the grace of God that we are saved. And so what he said is true, even though it's a side note of the story. But he has a really big point here. And even though, even though uh, we are evil, we know how to give good gifts when asked. And then he says, how much more? How much more? How much more will your Father, will God, do good for you when you ask? Like, it's about, it's about asking God. And what's the ask for that Jesus is pointing to? It's not about food. It's not about clothing. It's not about a job or car. The ask is pretty simple. In the first four verses, the the disciples said, teach us to pray. And at the end of the story, Jesus says, Jesus says, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's about, it's about asking, yes, it's about asking God for His Spirit to move and to live and to, to work in us, to grow in us, to be bigger in us. Not more of the Holy Spirit. We have all the Holy Spirit we need, but we don't listen to Him. We let the flesh rise up too much. And Jesus is saying we need to move the flesh away and let the Spirit be more in us. The parable right this is a great parable it's a story about prayer chiefly the ask of prayer but but how does this like fit for me and you what are what are a couple takeaways for us here's a couple things that i think we can take away from this parable for you and me number one is this we should continue in prayer always both this parable and the parable of the widow kind of both shared that truth that we should always ask and continue to ask God, primarily for the things that God thinks are important, our daily needs. Secondly, pleading for a friend like this story showed us is always appropriate, right? When we plead for someone else, that's always a good thing. We're pleading for another person. Number three, unselfish prayers for God's will and others' well-being are prayers of faith. That's a good takeaway for us. That unselfish prayers, when we pray for God's will to be done in our life, and we pray for the well-being of other people, we are praying prayers of faith. And number four, we're only promised our daily bread, right? not lobster. And so when more is needed, just like this guy went to his friend, we go to the source. We go to the source, and our source is God. He's the giver of all things. And the last thing is this. He says, ask, seek, and knock, and repeat. <laughs> right? Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. It's a teaching that God about how God answers our prayers, that God answers prayers in his time, in his time, in his time. The ask of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much and we're so grateful, God, that you you love us and that you hear us and that you are concerned about us. And we love to to read these parables and and to dig into these, these stories that Jesus told because they take us in a lot of different directions. They cause us to have to think about things that we do and how we live. And I pray this morning that that's, exactly what this story will do to us as we leave this place that we'll think we'll think about this story in a, in a way that we've never thought about it not just in how we respond to people who who need things and are needy around us that we can respond to in different ways and not just in what you say compared to what the world says and who it is we're really listening to and what it is we're really building our life on but that, that the ask of prayer would be about the thing that is most important to all of our lives as we follow you. It's not our bread, it's not our cars, it's not our homes. It's about the Holy Spirit living and moving and having his way in our life. God, help us to cry out to you day and night that you would guide us, that you would move in our lives in ways that we've never seen you move, that you'll move in this church Hmm. in a way that you've never moved before because your people are hungry for your spirit to work and move and lead us, that others would come to know you. God, we love you so much, and we give you thanks for the way that you love us. We pray that you'll continue to speak to our hearts even as we prepare to leave this place. In Jesus' name.